The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick, and you're listening to Matt Slick Live. All right. So if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Real easy. Give me a call. All right. So uh, I want to hear from you. Um, I stumbled on something today, which I may talk about, the Litany of Mary from the Vatican. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. The stuff it says uh, about Mary, just it's so idolatrous. So may discuss that a little bit. But uh, hey, look, if you have comments, you have questions, you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Easy, schmeasy, easy to do. All right. There you go. All right. And if you want to watch the show, if you want to watch us or me on the air and uh, you want to participate, you can go to rumble.com forward slash Matt Slick Live and you'll be able to. Oh, excuse me. Oh, my goodness. I yawn. Oh, boy. Sorry about that. I always wonder how many people listening on the radio yawn when I do that. I always wonder. So uh, it's kind of fun. At any rate. So if you want to watch and or participate in the chat, all you got to do is go to karm.org forward slash radio. That will give you all the links. But also rumble.com forward slash Matt Slick Live. And uh, you can watch there. So not a big deal. There's some cool, cool people there, though, with uh, the chat stuff. We have a good time. All right. So that was pretty easy. And if you want, you can email me as usual. All you have to do is dial. Is, <laughs> dial, is uh, is email me at uh, info at karm.org, info at karm.org, and just put in the subject line, radio question or radio comment. And we'll, we store them, and then uh, when we're slow, I get to them. And uh, let's just jump on the area, on the area. Man, I'm messing up today. Let's jump on the air. Buskman from Dayton, Ohio. Welcome. You're on the air. Hey, man. So I've got a question, sir. When Jesus was being arrested... Uh, and Peter pulled out his sword and he cut off Malchus's ear. Uh-huh. Um, Jesus's response was, "If you live by the sword, you will die by the sword." Don't you know that I can call down legions of angels? What does he mean by that, Matt? Um, live by if, the sword, if, die by the sword. Well, it's just a common idiom. I'm not sure if he said that. Where is that? But uh, he does say. Father Heaven, um, and uh, let's see, I'm trying to find the other references for that, so I can make sure that it is the case. Drink the cup, and um, let's see. So, uh, hmm. So anyway, he did that, and um, mm-hmm. instruct the slave. That's Matthew twenty-six. I'm looking at different verses that talk about it. Uh, yeah, there we go. You're talking about Matthew 26, 52. For all who take up the sword shall uh, perish by the sword. Uh, what is talking about there is the act of uh, of living by it. It's an interesting construction in the Greek. It's an aorist active participle. 
ARS deals with past tense. You are in that past state of actively living with it. Participle is an ing word. So present tense, I eat. Participle, I am eating. That's what a participle is. In Greek, this is a participial form. So there's a continuous present, uh, actually, a continuous action that's going on from the past. Uh, generally, participles take their uh, tense from the preceding verb. But uh, so that's what's going on. So if it's like loosely, it's like saying, for all who live by the sword, you know, they, they're fighting with it all the time. You're going to die by that. And that's that's the idea. That's what's going on there. Okay. Okay, so does that indicate that Peter, throughout his life then, was a sword, you know, that's what he no. used regularly? No. According um, to the Greek? No, it's just... Uh, we only All we know is what it says, and what it says is that he had one, and... Um, also, in Luke twenty-two thirty-six, Jesus says, sell your cloak and buy a sword. They said, look, we have a sword. He goes, that's enough. So the idea is of self-defense. And so that was the the means that the people could use for self-defense. And this is, a lot of people don't realize this, that Peter had a, you know had access to a sword, and Jesus told him to buy a sword. And what, uh, the reason that's important is because, well, excuse me, a lot of people think that Jesus is the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Caucasian surfer dude dressed in a woman's nightgown, nightgown and he wasn't hurt to fly. And so they don't understand that Jesus actually taught the idea of being strong and defending yourself. You have that right. Not the obligation. You have the right. So if they're persecuting you for the faith, you don't have to defend yourself. You can just take it. But you also have the right to defend yourself and others. So that's the option there. But nevertheless, so, uh, you know, he, they had a sword with them, and Jesus never told them to get rid of it. Otherwise, they, you know, they wouldn't have had it. And then he abused it. Now, he abused it, but he was trying to protect Jesus. And that's one of the things that is required in the Old Testament, to protect people, to deliver someone from the hand of the oppressor. And he was just doing what he thought was right. And Jesus says, put this away. He says, yes, do his father's will. And that's what's really interesting. He said, oh, that makes a lot of sense, Matt. Yeah, because if he would have fought off those Romans, then uh, Jesus would have never went to the cross and did the work that was needed for redemption. Theoretically, yeah. If he could have beaten all of them, but yeah, I know what you're saying. So he says, you know, in John eighteen eleven, Jesus says, Put the sword into the sheath, the cup which the Father has given me, shall I not drink it? So he's saying he didn't say don't it's wrong for you to do that. That's not what he said. He didn't say it's wrong for you to, to defend yourself. That's not what he said. He said, Put the sword away. I've got to do what the Father wants. Wow. So Okay. That's, that's what's going on, all right? So okay, I'm going to tell you, so someone comes to my house. defending themselves. Right. Yes. Right. If someone comes to my house and they know who I am and they're persecuting me because I'm a Christian, well, um, let's just say that I'll take care of it. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. That okay. really puts things in a different perspective than what's traditionally taught. You know, you turn, it seems like Matt, Christians talk about turning the other cheek all the time. Turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek. And that pretty much abdicates their, the, especially a father's leadership to protect his kids against an armed assailant. You know, if, right. if he's supposed to turn the other cheek when, you know, his wife is, is 
you know, somehow violated when he could have at least tried to defend her. That's right. Okay. So when, if someone attacks my wife, I will do everything I can to stop them. Right. And my okay. wife knows it. She knows I will go down swinging. She knows. Wow. And uh, I'll do whatever I can to defend her. She knows that. I would that's what every well, man. I would as well. Good for you. And I have friends that if I'm with their wives, say that you know we're out in a mall or we're outside and I get separated with their wife, you know, nothing shady, just a couple hundred feet away we're, you know, someplace and something happens to to my friend's wife, same level of, of defense. Amen. That's what'll happen. Sir. That's right. Mm-hmm. Amen. Makes okay. great sense. And thanks for that, Matt. Um I always love calling into the show because I always get straight up quick, slick answers. And <laughs> I appreciate your knowledge, Matt, and, uh, and, and for being as bold as you are. And uh, keep doing the great work, sir. And if you ever come to Dayton, Ohio, uh, would love to, love to meet you. <laughs> well, why don't you arrange for me to come on out there and speak at a church or something like that? Uh, I could do that, Matt. I would yeah. love. I mean, I turn a lot of people on to CARM. I turn a lot of people on to your program. You're, you come on out here in uh, Dayton, Ohio at 6 p.m. on the Truth Network, 106.5 mm-hmm. FM. And uh, I would love to host and have you come out and, and do a, a fantastic Matt Slick uh, presentation. So oh, we see, now there's where out. you blew it. That's where you blew it. You said you wouldn't mind having me come out, but then you said fantastic presentation. So that just blew it right there. I could do a presentation, uh, I, but don't know if it would be fantastic. Well, your show, show is pretty fantastic because you, you hit the ball out of the park, Matt. So I would say just like uh, Jose Kensenko hitting it out of the park, Matt Flick hits it out of the park. That's pretty fantastic. <laughs> okay. All right, big man. Sounds good. Yep. <laughs> well, I'll hey, you never know. Then, Matt. All right. Yeah, I'll be in touch. That'd be All awesome. Right. Thanks so oh. much for your time, Matt. All right. God bless. You too. No problem. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Well, that was Buskman and uh, from Ohio. Now let's get to, oh boy, here we go. Alex from Orlando. There goes the show. Are, hey, you, are you prepared for what I'm going to say? I, I, I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find okay. out. Okay. I'm here first and foremost to demand Ernie gets a raise. <laughs> let's double his salary. Well, as soon as double, triple it, triple it, a triple of nothing is nothing. But um, I'm just going to because you said that uh, there are several people who work for us and volunteer that we don't pay. We have missionaries on all over the world that we pay. We've been paying them for years. If people support the ministry, if they were to hypothetically say, uh, like I say, hypothetically, if you were to say uh, this uh, money, we would like to go to a certain person like Laura or Charlie or Ernie and uh, what we could do is uh, we could we could lean at that direction we have to be careful what we can and can't do I don't even know all the rules but we there's some legality about it's for an individual what we do is we we use it out of the general fund because we're 501c3 but you know we help people and like we got Ernie some stuff and we've gotten Joanne some stuff and you know, for the work of the ministry. So, but, so anyway, people. Why don't you just take some of your salary and give it to Ernie? Hey, I've been thinking about that. You know, 
we're going to see what's going to happen with my wife. No, I'm serious. Because uh, we're getting uh, Social Security. My wife's Social Security is coming. But uh, you never know. Uh, I've thought about giving, uh, doing something like that for the missionaries because, I mean, sheesh, you know, they're in these other countries. They're doing a lot of work and stuff. But anyway, that's just what it is. There's a lot of variables in there. But I, we need support. Yeah, no, I know. Really I'm just, you know, I'm just joking. I was talking to Ernie earlier today, and we always make that joke about you tripling and quadrupling of salary. Yeah, well, he does a good job. He does a great job with the video work that we're doing and uh, the uh, thumbnails, the thumbnails. And um, yeah, he's good. So, yeah, he does. He does a good job. Yeah. All right, big man. What's what do you got? So uh, I want to, I know we're going to go to a break soon, but the question is, the, this Catholic guy I was talking to says, Mary is the second Eve. Uh, how do I respond to those claims? Where are they getting it from? I know you've probably debated Roman Catholics and heard this before. Mm-hmm. What is, where is this from? How do I answer this? Well, they're comparing her to Eve, that uh, she was the mother of all mankind. They say Mary's the mother of all, you know, the church. And and they draw these parallels. And they say that she's a, the Ark of the Covenant. And then, uh, you know, out of Eve came uh, the, the truth. And uh, so out of Mary came the word. You know, all these things. They do this kind of stuff. And the reason they do this is because they're idolaters. Flat-out idolaters. And they want to elevate uh, Mary to the level of a functioning goddess. And uh, I'll talk more about it after the break. And I'm absolutely convinced the Roman Catholic Church absolutely promotes, without a doubt, idolatry. And uh, we'll get more on that after the break. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Alex, are you still there? I'm still here. All right. Okay, so what the Catholics are doing with this issue of of Mary being the second to Eve, as you're trying to exalt her. And some of the problems with this is it's not uh, specifically taught in Scripture. And also, it uh, denounces the idea of original sin and that she's a sinner because they uh, they just say that she was born without sin. And uh, then they say that she can hear millions of prayers all over the world simultaneously spoken in thought, etc. So uh, they draw these parallels with Eve and then they use it uh, among other things, to validate uh, their idolatrous uh, stance towards her. So um, I I looked on Karma. I haven't written an article on this, so I put it in my notes to write an article. Is is uh, Mary the Second Eve? Why or why not? And so I'll work on that. But there are problems yeah. with that. What's that? Oh, I was going to say, that's good. Um, the other thing, so when I brought this up, I said, she's not the second Eve, and we're talking about that. He goes, yeah, she's never sinned. How could God incarnate be born of a sinner like Mary? She had to be sinless. That's what he said to me. 
And nothing, nothing logically or biblically says that uh, Mary had to be sinless in order for Jesus to be born from her. It, it's just a, well, how could he do that? She's sinful. Well, then, how could she have been sinless without her mom being sin? You know, a sinful. How that work? So it, it's just, it, I just got to say it again and again and again. The Roman Catholic Church is, is just an idolatrous, uh, false religion. It is. It's not Christian. Well, and it's no. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to read some stuff oh, from the um, Litany of Mary here a little bit. Sure. Uh, now, would you say that there are? Where, where is the level? Like, would you agree with me that there there are some Christians in the Catholic Church? Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's why I say and, anyone who believes yeah. official Roman Catholic theology uh, when they die will go to hell. But there are lots of Christians. Okay, so you could have like a, mm-hmm. yeah, so you could have an old lady who sits there her whole life who truly believes that we're saved by grace through faith, or through Christ through grace and faith alone, and right. she just sits there her whole life and she could still be born again. Yeah, and there'd be an inconsistency of her believing the truth while going to a false church, but there's lots of inconsistencies in uh, people's lives. Okay. So, I was doing some research uh, this morning, and uh, one thing led to another, and I found the litany, uh, the litany of Mary, okay, and it was done in, I believe, 1531, and was officially approved in 1587 by Pope, Pope Sixtus V, who suppressed all other Marian litanies used publicly. So, it's official. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it talks about the Lord, talks about Jesus, and then it goes on. I'm going to read this. I'll try and make it quick and skip a couple of words here and there, but 53 titles are given to Mary. It says, Holy Mary, pray for us, Mother of God, Virgin of Virgins, Mother of Christ, Mother of the Church, Mother of Mercy, Mother of Divine Grace, Mother of Hope. She's most pure, most chaste, inviolate, undefiled, most... Uh, amiable, uh, mother admirable, uh, mother of good counsel, mother of our creator and the savior, virgin most prudent, venerable, renowned, most powerful, most merciful, faithful, the mirror of justice, she's the seat of wisdom, the cause of our joy, she's a spiritual vessel, vessel of honor, singular vessel of devotion, the mystic rose, tower of David, tower of ivory, house of gold, ark of the covenant, gate of heaven, morning star, health of the sick, refuge of sinners, solace of migrants, comfort of the afflicted, help of Christians, queen of angels, queen of the patriarchs, of prophets, of the apostles, of martyrs, of confessors, and of virgins. She's the queen over all the saints, and she was conceived without original sin, assumed into heaven, and she's the queen of the most holy rosary, queen of families, and the queen of peace. Now, how do we say idolatry? That's how. It's, it's a... Yeah, a um... There's actually two churches near me, one in, well, one is a few hours, one in Jacksonville, Queen, Mary Queen of Heaven Catholic Church, and then there's one wow. down the street from me that I always thought was a cult, and it's actually a Catholic church, and it's named Mary Queen of the Universe. 
Yeah, you see, it, 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 wow. You know, just when I walk up to there, I'm not going to do this. I'm just exaggerating. It frustrates me so much. Walk up to the priest at the church and just slap him. Hey, stop that. Stop leading your parishioners into damnation with your idolatry. The Catholic Church, I've talked to so many Catholics, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds over over decades, and they are in love with Mary. It has to be about Mary. They turn to Mary, their heart full of Mary, and the church. They're Mariolatrists and ecclesiolatrists. So idolatry is the worship of idols. Mariolatry is worship of Mary, and ecclesiolatry is worship of their church. So they functionally replace Jesus with their church. Because where Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life, the Catholic Church says it is the way, the truth, and the life. Where the uh, where Jesus is the one who forgives sins, now the church is the one who has the authority to forgive sins. So grace comes through the work of Christ, but them it comes through their sacramental system. And there's no salvation outside of Christ. Officially, there's no salvation outside the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is just a gigantic idol, a false church, a false religion. Uh, it may very well be the whore of Babylon, but it is a, a damnable religion, and it teaches false doctrine. Now, I know people are hearing me who are Catholics, and they're just enraged. They're, they're furious. Yeah. Well... The truth is, if you die believing in, in official Roman Catholic theology, you're going to be damned. You need to come to Christ, and Christ alone, not the church. Oh, it just makes me mad. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, brother, anytime you... the That queen of the universe church and the Mormon temple are 30 minutes of each other down here, so we can go out there uh, maybe in the future. <laughs> you know... <laughs> um, I would be willing to fly out there to Florida and uh, do some stuff with you. It'd be fun. Yeah, yeah that would be fun, man. Well, we'll yeah. see. We'll see what the Lord has in the future. Yeah, we'll see. All right, man. Uh, all right. I'll Ooh. see you later, oh, brother. God bless. Hey, wait. I just found something. The Second Vatican what? Council's Constitution of the Church states that, quote, Mary was taken up body and soul into heavenly glory and exalted by the Lord as queen of the universe that she might be the more fully conformed to her son Lemon L-E-M no excuse me L-U-M-E-N Lumen Gentium 59 oh man put that in the chat notes yeah so much idolatry so little time alright buddy oh, go. alright see you brother alright we'll talk to you later Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. If you want, give me a call, and we can talk. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. Let's get back on the air here. Let's get to Jared from Indiana. Jared, welcome. You're on the air. Hey. My, hey. Uh, I'm a little bit under the weather, so uh, bear with me. Uh, no so my question wasn't, uh, I guess my question might be a little bit vague, but um, Romans 1.16 says, the power of God is the gospel. 
<laughs> but with, I, I, I'm not saying this facetiously. I'm really just trying to figure out how these things relate. But um, in Calvinism, they say that uh, the that your election, that you are granted faith in order to believe. But wouldn't that make the power that the power of God instead of the gospel? No, the, you could say also the, the regenerative work of God, and that He causes us to be born again. First Peter one three could it also be the power of God. The word is powerful, won't come back empty without accomplishing what he desires, Isaiah fifty five eleven, so that's powerful. The Holy Spirit who convicts us of our sins in John sixteen, and the one who reveals the truth of who Christ is, uh in John fourteen, twenty six, fifteen twenty six, is also powerful. So when we talk about this, we've got to be careful we don't just say too much too quickly about something. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. What, the proclamation of the gospel, or the gospel itself, and the death, burial, resurrection? Because the what the gospel is, is the euangelia in Greek, and it's spoken of in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, as the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins. That's what the gospel is. That is the power of God to salvation. So what it's saying is that it's only through the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, who is a propitiatory sacrifice for our sins, that's the only way we can have salvation. And the Calvinists, what they do is they believe that's the case. Arminians believe that's the case. They believe that the gospel of Christ, that he died, rose from the dead three days later, bore our sin in his body on the cross, First Peter 2.24, that's the thing that saves people. So God grants that we have faith, and that's Philippians 1.29. And when we have faith, that's when we're justified, Romans 5.1, having therefore been justified by faith. And Romans 4.5 says, to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. So God grants faith to people, that's Philippians 1.29. As many as had been appointed to eternal life believed, Acts 13.48. And it's the gospel that is the power that saves them to begin with. God in flesh who died on the cross rose from the dead. And the application of that redemptive work of Christ, let's just say the the issue of, of uh, redemptive work, I'll leave it as a broad statement for now because I get into nuances there, that is obtained by faith. Okay? Uh, yeah, so so then, then the, then wouldn't that make election not that big a deal then? Without election, no one can be saved. Yeah, well, because that's what, you know, it, it sounds to me that either you're elect and you're granted faith and then you believe, or it's the power of the gospel to anybody, to no, anybody. No, 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 it's not this or that. The gospel is the thing that Jesus did. Faith is a thing we do. And God but grants that we have faith Calvin, in what Jesus but did. Calvinism, but didn't Calvinism say that God grants the faith? Well, because Philippians one twenty nine says, "To you it has been granted to believe." That's why Calvinists say that because that's what the Bible says. Yeah. But in that contradictory to uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, you couldn't have any faith no. unless you heard the word of God, right? Well, what if you're deaf? See, what he's talked about normatively there in, in Romans 10, 9 and 10, and 17, he's talking about the issue of, of the gospel being preached. This is what Jesus did. This is who he is. And God uses the power of that gospel message. And we don't know all the particulars. And he opens people's hearts and minds. He draws them, John six forty four. He grants that they come to Christ, John six sixty five. And so then he grants that they believe and grants they have repentance, 2 Timothy two twenty five. He does. 
and it's by the gospel. Okay? Yeah, I appreciate it. Okay, now, you have to understand, though, uh, Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, a lot of people don't like what the scriptures actually teach in a lot of areas. It says, just as he, as the Father, chose us, the chosen ones. And that's the Greek word, ekleksato. Yeah. So he chose us in him, in Christ. Yep. So here's the thing that people miss theologically. Now, personally, I'm going to take a sidestep here. I think most churches dumb down the Bible and don't teach biblical theology very well. And so now we have... Uh, False teachers like um, Kenneth uh, Hagen, Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Meyer, um, Joel Osteen, going around and teaching stuff that is just crud. Okay, and people don't know because they don't know biblical theology. They don't know, for example. And now this is for a test to those who don't like what I'm saying. Well, listen to this: just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that means God chose us that we would be holy and blameless. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. So God chose and predestined. Well, then some people will say, oh, that's because he knows what they're going to do. And he chose them because he knows what they're going to do. That's humanist philosophy. That's humanism. Because humanism would say man is a standard of righteousness. Man is the reason. Humanism says, look, Jesus died, but I have to decide to believe. I am the one who apply this to myself. I'm the one in my wisdom who will decide I need Jesus. Me, 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 look at me. But the Bible says to, you cannot come to Christ unless it's granted you from the Father, John six sixty five. God grants that you have faith, Philippians one twenty nine. You're caused to be born again, first Peter one three, and you're born again not of your own will, John one thirteen. And I quote these things to people all the time and they, they get mad. And they say, oh, you're a Calvinist. So I'm quoting the scripture, well, and this is what you say, and, and you're rejecting the word of God? And they say, it's your interpretation. Oh, I said, I'm just quoting them. There's a so, disparity do, out there. So two quick ones uh, you, that made me think. So how would you uh, relate that to who God foreknew he did predestine? And then yes, that's easy. And John, okay, and then, and then in John 6. Well, let's do one at a time. No, it's Romans. Gonna, just, yeah, okay. let's do one at a time. Yeah, Romans eight twenty nine. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. The foreknown ones yeah. are also the predestined ones. They're the same group. A lot okay. of people just miss this. It doesn't say hypothetically to exaggerate. He looked into the future, out into all the people, to see who's going to be him, uh, believe in him, and he predestined some of them. That's what they think that means, but it doesn't say that. It says. Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. The foreknown ones okay. are also the predestined ones. They're the same group. Then we get into what does it mean to foreknow. Some people just think it automatically means he just knows the future. And he chooses people based on what they're going to do. More humanist philosophy that's crept into the church and is undermining the truth of who God is in his sovereignty. Okay, what was you know, well, John and, 6? And then, what about John 6? Okay, and then, so in John 6, so I think it's John either 7 or 10, it said he wrote these things because the Holy Spirit hadn't yet been given. Is it is it possible that in John 6, he's, he's telling them that they couldn't come to the Father because the Holy Spirit hadn't been given, and that's not how things were being drawn like we do with the gospel after the cross? I don't know of a verse that says that, so I'm at a loss. Let's so, see, Bible, the... 
uh, the Spirit had not yet been given. Hey, that's John 7.39, so let me go. And uh, so the context is this. Um, verse 38, He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow liver, river, livers, <laughs> rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, uh, whom those had believed in him who were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given. Yeah, that didn't happen until Pentecost, right? So that's all that's going on right. there. Yeah. Yeah, so, but but he told Peter, you know, when the night before he was crucified, that or not the night before he was crucified, but earlier yeah. in the Gospels that he said, uh, he said, who do you say I am? And he said, you're, you're basically, he was telling him he's the Messiah or the Son of God. And he mm-hmm. said, well, you couldn't have been, you couldn't have said that unless the Father had, had revealed that to you. And right. Yeah, and so the Holy Spirit wasn't didn't reside inside men, right? Before then, I would just see how that no, related. No, 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 no. You, logic. You be careful. You can't say he wasn't residing inside of people. Because what is the phrase? Hadn't been given yet. That's the the phrase yeah. we're going to look at. And people very often, very quickly, just assume something and then they work with it. I say, don't do that. What does the phrase okay. mean? Given by the Spirit. Given. Well. I say, don't assume. Just, just go study. You know, you'll find this out. You'll find this out that the Holy Spirit is prophesied in the Old Testament to be poured. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. I'll pour out my Spirit in these last days, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it goes on and on. Lots of verses like that in the Old Testament. Okay. And so then yeah. in Acts one five, this is after the ascension of Christ. John baptized with water. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That baptism has to be the pouring of the Holy Spirit upon him. It has to be. Yeah. That's how it's prophesied. The Spirit is prophesied. And then when you go in and it go uh, into it, says the Holy Spirit, you know, the prophecies of, of uh, Joel were fulfilled in the book of Acts. We're running out of time. There's a break. And I can explain what that is so that we can get a better understanding. I know I'm going fast because there's the break. So hold on, buddy. Hey, whoo. So much theology and so little time. But it all works. Hey, we'll be right back. Please stay tuned. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. we got a guy in one of the chat rooms arguing with me about something biblical. <laughs> he can't get it. <laughs> so uh, it's like, I love that kind of stuff. I'm hoping he'll call, and then we can talk about uh, Colossians 2.14, which is a very, very interesting verse. Hopefully he'll call if he's able to. Uh, Jared, you still there? Yes. Yes. Okay, so yes, the Holy sir. Spirit hadn't yet been given, really quickly. The Holy Spirit is prophesied as being poured. And it shall be in the last days, God says, I'll pour forth my Spirit on all mankind. That happened in Acts 2. That's Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And when the manifestation of the Spirit was there, the charismatic gifts manifested, speaking in tongues, glorifying God. And that's what's going on there, the gifting of the Spirit for the church. So if that hadn't been given yet, that's all that's going on. Okay? Uh, yeah, I guess I will have to call back in. I got more questions about it. I'll call back in sure. order, maybe tomorrow or the next day because I, I, I'm really trying to get to the – I'm really trying to figure this out. I, I listen to a lot of people. I listen to a lot of apologetics, a lot of Calvinists, a lot of just Bible preachers, and I'm, I'm trying to relate. And, okay. you know, I, you I just I, – I feel like – okay. Yes, sir. 
You can email me at info at karm.org, and maybe we'll call I did. you. We'll just talk. I did. Oh, you did? I did. Okay. I did. Yes, I did email you, and it's under Jared Miller. Um, okay. And it's basically uh, basically kind of along the same question that I had on the show. So. Okay, that's fine. And, you know, I'd be glad to talk to you about it, and, you know, we can just talk. And, and, you know, if you believe it, great. As long as you don't believe it for what you believe is biblically sound and you're not outside of orthodoxy, then no problem. Okay? Yes, sir. I appreciate it. All right. Well, good stuff, Thanks man. for the time. Oh, yeah, God thanks bless. for the time. And I, I, I'll be huh? excited to hear from you. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye. Okay, God bless. All right. That was Jared. Now let's get to, oh, boy, uh, Shibu. Welcome. You're on the air. Hi. How are you, sir? Doing all right. So what do you got? Did God die as per Revelation 118? Um, yeah, yes. That's yeah. the person of Christ who has two distinct natures, and the attributes of both natures were ascribed to the single person. That's the communication of the properties, and so therefore the person died on the cross, so therefore the attributes of both natures given to that person who died on the cross, so therefore we can say, yes, in that sense, God died. Okay. So we, we said your death, burial, and resurrection. That's what the gospel. So he died. Okay. Thank you, sir. Okay. Okay. That was easy. All right. Let's get to Angie. Angie, you're on the air. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Great. Welcome. Um, yes. What scriptures would you recommend to find comfort in um, trusting that your unsaved loved ones will come to faith in, in the doctrine of election? Well, election's a different thing. Uh, it deals with the work of God from eternity past in his sovereign mind, his sovereign decrees. That's what election is about. We don't know the criteria that God has about electing and choosing people for salvation. Second Thessalonians 2.13 says he, God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation. This is biblical. So, but then we have also James 5.16.17 talks about, well, the prayers of a righteous man avail much with God. Okay, I'm righteous and you're righteous because we're in Christ. And the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us, Romans 5, 1, Philippians 3, 9. So that means our prayers influence God. How then do the prayers that influence God influence God if he's planned that they influence him? So we get into this, hmm. I have no idea how it works thing. So now we talk about the people who we're praying for. Well, we're praying for them. Mm -hmm. Like I pray for my daughters and and others, and my wife and I pray for her family too, and uh, not as often as we should. We pray that God would open their hearts. And what I say mm -hmm. uh, sometimes in my prayers is, God, if they're not elect, please elect them. What I'm saying is, I don't know how it all works, but I'm asking God to yeah. be merciful. And then I trust yeah. him in his mercy and continue to do what I'm supposed to be doing. Which is praying and interceding. Okay. Great. That brings comfort. Thank you. That brings it's me difficult. comfort. Thank you. All right. Yes. Yeah. Have a great day. And, okay. You too. Okay. God bless. Okay. Oh, go ahead. You were going to say more. Please do. Okay. I was just going to say, 
if someone is theologically trained and knowledgeable as I am, I'm not trying to boast. I'm just saying, I don't know how it works. And I just trust yeah. my Lord. And, you know, I just trust him with the people that I love. And I ask him to save. And I say, you're the sovereign king. Please open their hearts. Please speak into their hearts. Please grant them that repentance and that faith. And that's what I do. And I know that my prayers are sanctified through Jesus himself. And I know they're heard. And I know they make a difference. And then in the process, I submit and say, Lord, please help them. And this is a perfect opportunity to say something. This is exactly the place I get to where I don't understand how it works. And I'm frustrated mm. in that because I want to mm. be able to have answers, but I don't know how. I don't know how, how it works. And is yeah. it that man's free will is so vast that God just submits to it, but without submitting, because that means he's less than, does he let them have what they want and he chooses to? There's just so many things I can't answer. And I don't know of any theological mm -hmm. perspective that answers it. And uh, yeah. and so that's that's where I'm at. That's why I say, yeah. Lord, if they're not elect, please elect. Lord, I just throw my hands in the air. Just please save, save them. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Yes, it is. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Okay. Whew. You know, it, it's one of the things, you know, um, that I've studied and struggled with. And I say I'm Reformed because I believe it answers most of the questions. Not all. No man-developed system of theological analysis can answer every objection in Scripture. And I know that there's some I've talked to who say, well, we can answer that. You know, whatever question we might be talking about at the time. And I'll, I'll ask them questions about their answers sometimes and show that, well, there's some problems there. But every now and then, um, someone will ask me a question dealing with the sovereignty of God, election, predestination, which are taught in Scripture and man's choices and how they interact from eternity past and God's ordination and I just can't figure it out. I've tried. I think I came close once and I was talking thinking about it and all of a sudden I heard a in my head and I lost about 12 IQ points so I gave up. And uh, I just don't know how it works with God. But I know this. I know God's good. And I know that that he listens to the prayers of his people. Because all of us who have trusted in Christ, who depend on the blood of Christ Jesus to cleanse us forever, we ask through that blood, through that sacrifice of Christ, we pray to the Father and say, Father, would you please save you know, so-and-so and so-and-so? Would you please grant them the same mercy you've given to us? And these are good prayers. These are wonderful prayers and this is what we must do as Christians as uh, someone told me he says we're in sales not production we're trying to get people to be convinced and we can use arguments 
we can use the truth, we can do whatever we can, but it doesn't mean that everything that we do will have a one-to-one -one correspondence. Well, I prayed, gave them the truth, therefore they should be saved. It doesn't work like that. There are things that God has not revealed. Why is it he doesn't grant faith to everyone? I don't know. Why is it he hasn't chosen everyone? Because he could do that. I don't know. You know. If you go to Acts 9, and there's Paul the Apostle on his way to kill Christians. He's committed to working against the things of God and against the people of God. And then Jesus knocks him off his horse and saves him. And, you know, people say, well, he was you know, sincere in his heart. It, it, who are you? He didn't even know who he was. Who are you? I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. He had to blind him, knock him off his horse. And why doesn't Jesus do that to everybody? We all have our horses we're on. We all have our moments of pride. We all have things that we look to that we we consider as important in our lives, as reasons for this or reasons for that or not, or whatever it is. God has no problem just knocking us down, knocking us off our high horse, as the expression goes. And he can save us. Why doesn't he do it more often? I don't know. You know, when I got saved, I had an incredible experience of the presence of God. I mean incredible. Not just, ooh, I feel it. I mean just wailing, weeping on the ground. The presence of holiness, the power that was there resulted automatically and naturally in my conversion. Why doesn't God do that to more? I don't know. I don't know. Is it because people's hearts are wicked and some he'll pick and some he won't because of something in them? It doesn't make sense. Look at Paul the Apostle. He was wicked. I look at my own life. Oh man, I was involved in some bad stuff back in the day. So why does God not do this more often? I don't know. And I have to throw my hands up in the air and just say, I don't know. He's not revealed it in Scripture. He's not revealed it to me. And I don't know of anybody else he's revealed it to. So what we do is we live by faith and we trust God. And in the meantime, what we can do is pray. And we can ask the Lord, Lord, I submit to your will. I don't know how it all works. But I ask Jesus that you would save. You pray for somebody. Please reveal them to you, your grace. Please reveal to them, Lord, the repentance that they need, faith in you. Please be merciful to them. Beg the Lord to save others. Intercede for them. Ask Jesus to save them. Ask God to work in their hearts. He will hear your prayers because your prayers are filtered through the very blood of Jesus himself. And so you are cleansed. So therefore, our prayers have an influence with God. But I just don't know how it all works. I don't know. I don't know. And I wish I did. I wish I had great answers, but I don't. So what I do is I just trust in my Lord. I just trust in my Lord. And I ask God to heal, I ask God to forgive, 
I ask God to save. And I trust Him. That's what you have to do. That's what we all have to do. May the Lord bless you by His grace. We'll be back on the air tomorrow. And uh, we'll talk to you then. So have a good evening, everyone. God bless. Another program powered by the Truth Network.